Hello and welcome to another episode of your show. We are on Patreon, so you can join us and support us for as low as a dollar a month or for $3 to include and suggest content to help grow our community. Our first guest in our special, which is a COVID-19 around the world, where we are, where we've been, and where we're going, is Chomzi Chom, host of Eye of Africa. He is based out of Nigeria, and he is here today to share with us about what has happened in Nigeria since COVID-19, as a result, some of the political unrest and the direction that their country is going in. It has truly been a privilege to speak with Chomzi and to hear what he is doing to make his community and his country a better place. I hope you get something out of it. I know I certainly have. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day. Uncut, uncensored, and unfiltered. This is an open mind. And you're listening to I'm Probably Wrong About Everything. Awesome. We have Chomzy with us. Chomzy, thanks for being on. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Oh, the, the pleasure's yeah. mine. Before we started, I was talking about how you're uh, you're you're repping a Boston Bruins jersey. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right. So here in Vancouver, that's that's our opposing team, and uh, you're mentioning that soccer is very big in Nigeria, but here we we have one <laughs> soccer team. The whole of Canada. Oh, uh, well, no, but in, in British Columbia, because Canada's so big, there's different provinces. And in BC, we have the, the White Caps. So that's our soccer team. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. But I, so to give you an idea of how big soccer here is, I've seen one White Caps game my entire life, and I'm 31 years old. So, damn. <laughs> Maybe someday I'll come over to Canada and drag you to the stadium myself. Oh, yeah. We we will go, man. You'll have a good time. You'll have a good time. We'll be drinking I, I, beer and all the good stuff. So, Chomzi, <laughs> um, we started this because we wanted to understand what's going on globally with COVID-19 and how different countries and people all over the world are responding to this, how they're going through it. So... You, you said before that you're in the Plateau State in the city of Joes. Yes. Right. So how have things been there since COVID-19 has happened? Well, it's not been easy. Mm-hmm. It's not been easy, especially with the lockdown last year. It, it has been tough. It has been tough. You know, here in Nigeria... The thing is, um, we are having a lot of issues because we don't have the facilities, you know, to control the crisis. So when it came, we were expecting maybe the government will establish testing centers, places to, you know, take care of people, treatment, and most especially restrict people from coming in. But they didn't. So. I think after two, three weeks of us getting the first two, three um, cases, that is when they started shutting down borders. And by then, you know, it has become something else. So we were just there. The economic issues is not helping. So most of us are living day to day, day to day. What you end that day, that's what you spend for that day. So when the lockdown came, everybody went in. And it was hard. It was hard. A lot of people were suffering. You know, people were just going through a lot of hardship, especially in just where I stay right now. Um, it wasn't easy. It wasn't is, easy. Is Jos? Is that? Uh, is it on the coast or is it more central Nigeria? No, Jos. is central. Is central. Okay. Central. It's um. Geographically, it's not central. Mm. 
it's not centralized, close to the federal capital territories, close to the capital of the country, Abuja. It's very close, it's central. Okay. So, and that's one of the reasons why we had a lot of issues because Abuja had, Lagos and Abuja had the two highest number of cases. And Jos is close to Abuja. So, we currently are the third on the list with number of cases. So, how many people have been uh, diagnosed with the COVID 19? Um, in Nigeria entirely, as of yesterday, mm-hmm. in Nigeria entirely, it was 137,000 people. Whoa. Yeah. And in Plateau State, in Plateau State, that is my, the state where I am right now, mm-hmm. there are about 8,200 cases. I, I was doing a little bit of reading before, and Nigeria, is that the, the highest population, highest populated country in the African continent? In the African continent, yes. And in the world entirely, Nigeria is the most populated black nation. Really? Just use the word. Yeah. We are the most populated. We are half we are about um two and a five million people. Wow. Yeah, two and a five million people. And the land mass is not that big. Yeah. So well, because in Canada, I don't even know what the number is, but it's it's massive, right? Canada's huge. It's like the third biggest country in the world. It's Russia, oh my God. China, Canada. Yeah, and, and not that many people live here, right? Like yeah. it, it's you know the the per capita of person per you know hundred thousand square kilometer or whatever, it's like one per that. So but but people all still live in pretty dense places. We all live within well, not all, but about 80% or something all live within 50 miles of the U.S. border or 100, 100 to 150 miles of the U.S. border. Wow. Right? So we're all very south. Yeah. Because mm. Ameri- we do a lot of trading with America and, you know, that's, it's the United States, the U.S. Canadian border is the longest demilitarized border in the world. Yeah, I know. I know all about that. Interesting fact, I tell you. Yeah. So, in Nigeria, and I was I was watching your podcast, The Eye of Africa, and the most recent episode you did was about what was happening in the government. And it, and it looks like there was a student strike. It was end SARS. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. That happened during, uh, during the lockdown, mm-hmm. actually. The government, they keep finding ways to drag us down. Mm-hmm. You know, when you, when you find there is no employment, 80 to 90% of the country are youth. To be honest, just about 3% of the entire country, we have our um, aged like 65 and above. And you have between 20 to 45 occupying basically 60, 70% of the country. Mm. And every year there are thousands, hundreds of thousands of graduates, but there are no jobs. And when you try to move out of the country, it becomes an issue. Right. And when you're in the country and you are doing the best that you can for yourself, it is, it's called an issue. For example, last year, wh- why the NSAS uh, hashtag and protest started was because every day you wake up and hear that the police have arrested someone simply because he's dressing in a particular way or he has a particular kind of hairstyle or he's having an iPhone that I have on an iPhone, they consider me a fraudster. You know, they, they will arrest you. They won't book you. The arrest is illegal. They will arrest you and they will forcefully take you to any ATM machine or ask you to transfer a certain amount of money to them. Then they let you go. Whoa. So it's either you do that or they drag you to the police station and they keep you there. Some people are still there for over three years. There is no case against them. They have not been charged with anything. 
you just drop them there. When you have the money to pay them, you pay them. A lot of illegal things they've been doing. And then they started killing, you know, they kill, you just pass by your car and they ask you to stop, to give them money and you don't give them money. And the man will just, you know, just shoot you and, and they will claim misfire. They say he misfired and stuff. So it was becoming um, a regular thing and our government are not doing anything about it. Instead, they've been bringing up laws that keep giving the police, you know, the power to do whatever they want to do without anybody checking them. Wow. So when they killed few people, I think two, two people during the lockdown, that's, that was what um, brought out the rage. You mm -hmm. know, it was exactly during the George Floyd issue in the US. So as it was happening in the US, that was when it happened here in Nigeria. So everybody started protesting. The protests started in Lagos. And then from Lagos, it moved to the capital, Abuja. And from Abuja, it now spread across the country. It lasted for two weeks. It was massive. You know, it was massive. And the government started feeling the heat. Nobody was sleeping at home. Nobody was, we were all on the street. You sleep, you wake up, you change your clothes on the street, and you continue marching. And then they came out with police. They are trying to, you know, calm the situation down. But Nigerian police are not as trained as police in the Western countries. They don't know anything about um, handling riots or cases like this. They just come and they start shooting life ammunition on the crowd. Anybody who runs, runs. If you don't run, you get hit. If you die, you die. And they call you a hoodlum, you know? So they were doing that and we were coming back. They would do that, we'll come back. They would do that, we'll come back. And it wasn't easy. So um, in just here, yeah, I attended a couple of those, um, actually not the first one, not the second one. I started attending on the third day of the protest in just. And the day I attended that protest, they were right in front of us with life ammunition. We're on our way to the government house. There's this place they call the they call old airport. It's like a roundabout that leads to, to the Air Force base in Jos. So when you take that route, it leads you to the government house. And we were at the old airport junction when the police came to know to, to meet us so that we wouldn't go further. And they were just shooting. Luckily, no one died, but a lot of people were flocked. You know, they came with sticks, with whips, horse whips, and they were whipping, they were flogging, they were, you know, throwing tear gas at people. And we dispersed for a couple of um, minutes, maybe 30 minutes or 45 minutes, and then we came back and we continued. And that was how it has been. Until the second week, the second week of our um, protest, that was when it became deadly. You know, we became deadly. They, we were protesting, and then who, you, you, they hired guns. You know, there's this way that it's the Nigerian way. I don't know if it's happening in the Western world, but it's the Nigerian way. The way the government cop issues like this is by employing talks of book to come in and disrupt the protest. Like so mercenaries. Came, like mercenaries. Like mercenaries. Yeah. They came with machetes. They came oh. with other little, little weapons, and they just you know, jumped in the crowd and started slicing and hitting whoever they were hitting and everybody dispersed. The moment that happened, the police came. Now that gave police the, you know, the justification to shoot at people because there were people with weapons. Yeah. So the police just came in and they opened fire. So we attacked by both the talks and the police. There were certain, um, there was this picture of this guy that was captured. He was with the machete going, charging at someone. And there was a police officer right in front of him. And the police officer and stood go. there and watched this guy charge at the person. That is someone who was supposed to protect yes. citizens of the country. So it, uh, it became deadly. It happened in Abuja. It happened in Port Harcourt, River State. It happened in River State. 
it happened in here in Jos. It happened. But the good thing is they didn't come to us. They went to one of the biggest um, central business area of the state. They call it Terminus. So they went there and they were burning people's shops and goods. And because of that, the police came up and they were shooting and they said it was the NSAS protester that had that violent protest. So they started arresting and shooting and arresting and shooting and trying to force us back. Then in Lagos, the 20th of October, that till today, it is one of the saddest things that has happened in the country. I have lived for 27 years now, and I have not seen something as terrible as that. Forget the religious crisis we keep having because Nigeria is deeply divided religiously and politically. There have been crises about religion and politics, you know. But apart from those ones, I've never seen something as inhumane as this. So people were gathered at the Lekki toll gate to protest. And the governor of Lagos, he said that uh, I have set a curfew for 4 p.m. Everybody should go home. 4 but the protesters curfew. in Lagos, Holy yes, shit. and the protesters in Lagos are not willing to go. We have the right to protest as per the constitution of the country. So nobody went, and then he lifted the curfew. He lifted it. There was no curfew by 4 p.m. There was nobody enforcing everybody to go home. So protests continued, and then. All of a sudden, around 6 p.m., 6.30 p.m., the cameras at the Lucky toll gate went off. The camera went off. They shut the power down there. And by 7 p.m. on the dot, the Nigerian military, Nigerian military, not the police anymore, the Nigerian military came over there and opened fire on unarmed innocent citizens protesting. Scores of people were killed that day. Scores. There are lots of dead bodies flying on the ground. Lots of people injured. One of um, on the celebrity, a DJ, she was there. She, 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 she made a live video of it on her Instagram. She made a live video of the incident. They were right there shooting at these protesters. And then the following morning, they denied ever being there. There was no video evidence of them being there because the cameras were shot. But the good thing is in Nigeria, everybody has digital, you know, we have data, we have smartphones, and there were videos of what happened everywhere, including what the DJ did. You know, she had to she had to put it out there on her Instagram story so that we could see what was happening live for those that were not in Lagos. Yes. Yeah. So that one was there. There was no denial. Fact that you, you saw it, right? No, no, I, I, I just fact that. Yeah. When when so when did this happen? Was this in October last year? Yes, 20, 20th of October yeah. last year. 20th of October last year. It was terrible. Yeah. It was terrible. Until today, you know, the presidency set up a panel of investigation. That's what happened every day in Nigeria. If something happens today, they set up a panel. Mm -hmm. After two weeks, three weeks, the panel goes quiet and you never hear anything about it anymore. You know, he set up a panel, the military denied ever being there. And then subsequently, as they started getting hit, you know, CNN did a documentary about what happened, BBC did, and there were images everywhere. So the governor of the state now said, okay, uh, he didn't give the order for the military to shoot anybody because the military only answered to the president. But the military now came out and said, no, we were invited by the governor of the state to come and help him handle the situation. So they were going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And this morning, I just woke up and I found out that the panel set by the president has now allowed the toll gate to be reopened for business, and they are not really saying anything much about it. You know, 
they are not losing any much, they are not hold, they are not holding anyone accountable. There are soldiers who were there. Those soldiers were acting by the orders of someone. And whoever that person is is acting by the orders of someone ahead of him, which most likely will be the chief of army staff mm. who the president has now um, sacked, or let's say he resigned. They use the term resigned. And the chief of army staff will definitely be acting from the orders of the president. One way or the other, it leads up to the president. Mm -hmm. But in Nigeria, you don't talk about the president. You talk about the president or the government or the party. And you wake up in the morning and you have the EFCC, you have the DSS, you have the police, you have the ICPC, you have the drug enforcement agencies all at your door, you know, charging you one thing or the other. They use the law enforcement agencies as weapons. Right. So a lot of us don't really come out to say anything about, about government. But yeah, that's what happened. It was terrible. Well, the, the whole thing is just like, I mean, why don't, like, why doesn't, why don't I know about this? Why doesn't the West know about this? You know what I mean? Like these things because that are Because they happening. don't care. They are happening, but they don't care. That's just it. They don't care. And we ask, actually, we don't really care either because we will fight our battles. We will not wait for the mm -hmm. West to come fight for us. Mm -hmm. So if we keep falling on our hands, waiting for the West to come yeah. fight for us, it's going to be... Last year, during the election, uh, in 2019, we had the general election. I can categorically tell you that this president lost that election. Of course, yeah. He lost that election. The Nigerian youth have never been together on a course like ousting this president. Mm -hmm. He lost that election point blank and he stole it. He rigged it in my, in my state, Kaduna State. I'm from Kaduna State yeah. originally. In my state, Kaduna State. All of us, those of us are from Southern Kaduna. Now, 80% of our polling units results there were canceled. And we were all voting against him. In the northern part of my state, you see, in my state, the state is divided into two. The southern part is predominantly Christians. Right. And the northern part of the state is predominantly Muslims. Right. The president is Muslim. And the nature of Islam here in Nigeria is not like Islam across the world. Here in Nigeria, it's just strictly about the religion. They don't care about your integrity or how good you are. As long as you are one of them, either a Christian or a Muslim, as long as you're one of them, they'll vote for you to keep in power. So there was a lot of rigging, mass rigging, voter suppression. You know, you come to you come for election and they tell you that your voter's card is not able to read. And because of that, you cannot be able to vote. A lot of things, you know, the voting machines are not working. The servers are not working. Some places in some part of, the, of Nigeria, especially in the north here where I am, little, little underage children are coming to vote. You know, they are coming to vote. Ooh, there were videos of youths catching um, election officials with ballot boxes, you know, taking them into the bush and then thumb printing and thumb printing and thumb printing and thumb printing yeah. for the president. You know, gathering mass number of votes. They were caught, they were given to the police and the police would take them to custody and then they would release them. So last year, when the shooting started, we decided that one way or the other, we are going to end it. Mm. Not wait for the West to come help us. Yeah. I watched the video during that protest period, I watched a video about um, someone, I, I, I can't even recall his name. I think he's American, saying something about us not, not important, our issues are not important. They know about Boko Haram, yeah. you know how we are suffering from Boko Haram, you know? Yeah. Especially us here in the North, Boko Haram are, are dealing with people here. Um, they know they could help us by selling ammunitions for us to fight these people, to sell it to the government, 
but they're not even sending it to the government. Our soldiers don't even have proper ammunition. They are using like 1,700 um, weapons, or let's say World War II weapons, to fight Boko Haram have sponsors. Yes. Of course they do. Of course they do. Well, I, I mean, ISIS. I've heard that. Not really ISIS. Yeah. Not really ISIS. Because really Bo but Boko Haram is this kind of extremist religious movement uh, that identifies as being Islamic, not saying that Islamic, you know, is like that, yes, anything, yes. but, but that's what they are. And then their goal is to kind of take over Nigeria. Is that right? Boko yes. Haram? Exactly. They want, they want an Islamic state just like yeah. ISIS. Yeah. You know, they are motivated, they are motivated by ISIS. Yes. Their leader, their leader, Sheko has, um, their leader, Sheko has pledged his loyalty to ISIS. But ISIS, I don't. ISIS did not really recognize him that much. Mm. But in here in Nigeria, there are rich men, those in government that are sponsoring them. They use them for their own benefits. Let me let me tell you something. Have you ever heard where terrorists are arrested, then rehabilitated, and then released back to the public? put in schools, giving jobs. These are people that kill scores of people. And then you arrest someone who has an iPhone and you keep him in jail for five years yeah. for no just cause. This is what is happening in the country. As I was gonna say, like- Every day- yeah. Go ahead, please. No, go, go on, go on. Well, I, I was gonna say, right. I feel like the Every reason they're arresting people with iPhones, young people with iPhones is because they could get ahead. They're afraid of people getting ahead, right? I mean, we've seen this through history. They try to repress people who yeah. they're growing in their freedom of speech. Sorry, and sorry to cut you off, by the way. Go ahead, John. Exactly. That is, that is what they are doing. Mm -hmm. They are trying to bring a bill about um, social media bill that cop us from talking about the government. You know, talking about what the country is going through. You know, the Minister of Information trying to use China as an example. You know, they can cop the social media space, the internet, yeah. you know, restrict people from censorship. It is yeah. terrible. So we are really going through a lot. And in fact, that is one of the reasons why I started my podcast. Because a lot of people don't really know what is happening in Nigeria. A lot of people in Nigeria don't really care about what is happening in Nigeria. As long as I wake up in the morning, mm. I have something to eat, I'm fine. Mm. They don't really care about the future. When I was little in primary school, we used to sing this song about parents taking care of their children because we are the leaders of tomorrow. And I am about hitting my third decade in this earth, and I am still looking for how my generation can be the leaders of tomorrow. Right. You know, my parents' generation have come and gone, and we are still looking for those leaders of tomorrow. So I thought, why not use this, this medium to spread knowledge about things that is happening in the country? There are a lot of social vices religious vices, political issues that is happening that people don't really know about. And not just in Nigeria, in Africa in general, right. you know, in Africa in general, we are, we are going through the same thing, the same cycle, greedy, selfish, wicked leaders who all they think about is themselves, amassing wealth, amassing wealth, amassing wealth. For example, during this lockdown, other countries are coming up with stimulus to help their citizens survive the crisis. The United Nations provided resources to countries, including Nigeria, to help with this crisis. None of us ever saw a dime. The Nigerian Senate did not even think about doing anything about it. They keep talking about palliatives, 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 and different organizations brought different packages into the country. None of us got anything until towards the end of last year, during the NSAS protests and everything, 
we started discovering warehouses where governors in each state were holding palliatives, food and goods and other little, little things, toiletries that were made, that were meant for people. They were holding them in warehouses. In just alone where I stay, there are about three warehouses that were busted. Millions of tons of food were hidden, were hoarded. You know, Lagos State, there is one of their state legislature that hoarded a lot of these palliatives. And she used them as souvenirs for her birthday. Weird things are happening. It's terrible. Do, now, talking about this, I think there's, and again, I mean, I, I, I'm so distanced from this, I don't know what I'm talking about. So I'm just going to speak philosophically, but I feel like there's a connection between technology and kind of social media, mass information and social change. And, and that's kind of what you're talking about, about how they're trying to, you know, put down people who have iPhones or any way that they can kind of disseminate, you know, spread information about what's going on. You mentioned about this Instagram video that captured this, this police shooting or excuse me, military shooting on, on civilians. Is there a connection between COVID and us being, having to stay at home and that we're kind of waking up to, excuse me, not we, Nigerians are, are waking up to something's not right here. You know, we can do something. We need to do something about this for our children. I mean, you mentioned that you have a nephew. I won't say his age or anything, but you have a young nephew. I have a young daughter. You want to see a better world for your nephew. Do you see that there's a change waking up in people that they're, that they're able to protest or are they, are they, becoming you know scared again and pushed back no no no, no. Mm. the time for being scared has passed mm. time for being scared has passed the lockdown opened our eyes yes the lockdown opened our eyes a lot of a lot of us in nigeria you know became more aware of the situation in the country we became more aware of how we need to do something for our children and our loved ones. Because us, we're already going, our time is already passing. Our generation is going without achieving anything, but we have to make sure that there is something for the ones coming after us, you know, to come and do something better. There's no fear. That time has passed. Right now in Nigeria, the only thing that matters to us most is to get these people out of government and to get someone who will come in and do the needful. For example, restore the entire constitution of the country. Mm. We need that. You know, there is a lot of unrest because of how the constitution is set up. It tends to favor one side and it doesn't favor the other side. And because Nigeria, we don't speak one language, there are lots of languages, like hundreds of languages in Nigeria. We have similar, a lot of our culture is similar, but there are little, little variations. So because of our ethnic differences, you know, the country is not really, really at rest. And those from the Southeast are every day threatening to, you know, break out, take us back to the time of the Civil War, you know, those from the east, southeast, I call it doing their own. Those from the south, south, I call it doing their own. And those of us from the north, I call it doing our own. And it doesn't really help because there's no cohesion. So we have, we have all, uh, we have, we have come of age. We have grown. The social media has given us the space to express ourselves where people can listen to us, we can connect with people from different places. And is that some change, you know? During the last election, some of our young people got into government. And we're happy that there are a few people, and one of them was one of our 
he's an esteemed Nollywood actor. He's from the movie industry. He's big in the movie industry. And then he woke up, and then he got into politics. He won the election. The other one contested for governorship in the state. He lost the election. The other one contested for the House of Representatives. You know, he lost the election though. But one of them got in, and a few other young ones from different places got into government. So it's a start for us. Yeah, the next generation. Well, yes, it's a start for us. The next thing we need to focus on is getting women more involved. Getting women more involved in politics, you know, in the day-to-day -day affairs of the country. And during this NSAS protest, I saw a lot of women that were champions of this cause, especially Aisha Yusufu. Aisha Yusufu is to us right now our lady of liberty. You know, the Statue of Liberty yes. in America yeah. and what's, what it means to what's your name again? Aisha Yusufu. Aisha Yusufu. Yusufu, like Yusuf with you at the, at the end, Y-U-S-U-F-U, Aisha Yusufu. She, she stood up to, she actually, she gingered us, you know, she gave us the morale. She gave us the, the will, the, the strength to, to yeah. come out and face these people. And then there's this other lady, Rinu. She's called, she's called Rinu. I don't think I know her full name, but we all know her by, you know. Right. She goes by Rinu. She, both of them give us strength, mm -hmm. you know, Borna Boy, Whiskey, Davido, and a lot of other celebrities, including the DJ, you know. She, I don't want to call her name because she has been under a lot of fire from the government and stuff. I think she got asylum to come over to Canada or something. Because, uh, yeah, I think she got asylum to Canada. So I don't want to really no. keep calling her name, you know, so... Yeah. She, they really, because, they really gave us, you know, yeah. they were there. And since that time, we adore, especially Aisa Yusufu. A lot of us adore that woman. She's, her strength is, her strength is wow. I'm telling you, if I have half the strength that woman has, yeah, I will be grateful. <laughs> how how old is she? Uh, I think she should be in her forties now. Wow. Yeah. Because because like that DJ that you're saying you don't even want to mention their name. Yeah. I mean, the the safety and security of people that that protest that that are these symbols of of justice, right? Their lives are at danger. Yeah, sorry, go on. Oh no, 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 it's all good. Yeah, their their lives are in danger. Their lives are definitely in danger. Mm -hmm. But for Aisha Yusufu, she's not really scared of the danger. Mm -hmm. She walked into the danger. She was arrested a couple of times, harassed, beaten by the police. You know, she was, a lot of things were done to her just to shut her out. But uh, she was just there. She, she keeps coming back and coming back and coming back till their accounts were closed. All those that were sponsoring the NSAS, you know, people that supported the movement with money for food, you know, those that were like right at the top of the protests, all their accounts were blocked from the central bank. And a lot of devices were created to stop them from influencing the protests, you know, and they, they keep coming back, they keep coming back. That woman is not scared. And because of her, a lot of us have woken up. You know, there was this thing she said, I don't know, in Pigeon, I would, I would explain it in English, but in Pigeon, she said, I know they fear to die. You know, she was granting, an, um, she was on um, this TV network, you know, granting an interview. And they were telling her, they were asking her how she's, you know, still going to this protest, knowing the fact that her life could be in danger. She's not scared to die. After all, everyone will die, you know? So she has to do what she has to do for her children. Yes. yes. She 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 rallied she rallied the entire youth from that interview, and told us she'll be going out to protest. And anybody who is tired of how we are being treated in the country and how people are being killed every day for just living their lives should come out and join her. So she stepped out for the protests, and 
in less than an hour, the country is, you know, there's protests everywhere. So, so we adore her and we are grateful for her. And it sounds like the, the changes, I mean, here in Canada, <clears throat> we take the security that is democracy for granted. We take what we have here for granted. At least I know I do. The fact that, you know, I walk up and I put my ballot down and it's like, you know, great, right? Whereas in many places in the world and places in Canada, places in the United States, you know, voter suppression exists, right? That getting your vote out there is, and it sounds like in Nigeria, what you're describing is the ability to vote is something not to be taken for granted. And when it's respected, is that, yeah. it can give you authentic representation, authentic democracy. And what's happened in Nigeria with the voting is that it's been fraudulent. It's been corrupted. That people like yourself who have voted for a different leader, who you know millions have voted for, have been neglected, have been muted, have been silenced. And that is not democracy. And what you're after and what Aisha, Aisha Sufu is after is true democracy. And there's millions of people in Nigeria and, and that is attainable. And I think that through, through this wake up that you're talking about through COVID, through her words, her everybody dies, but not everybody truly lives that people are seeing, yeah, this is this is the time, like you said, for her children, for your nephew, right? What's the world that I want to leave them with? Exactly. That is our goal. Hmm. That is our goal. And you see, from Nigeria last year, we got, we got a major push this year. That is in Uganda. In Uganda, there was general election in Uganda. And this guy is a musician. And he woke up and said he's going to contest for presidency of Uganda. He needs to change how Uganda is. That country has been ruled by one person for 37 years. Wow. And they have not been going anywhere. It's just chaos and chaos. So he stood up, he rallied the entire nation. He rallied the entire nation and he became a force. He became a force for people to look up to and say, yes, we can do it through him. The president arrested his wife and had him on the run. While trying to go for elections, he's on the run. The president keeps putting people back on lockdown while he goes for his rallies. You know, conflicting interests. You're trying to stop people from getting the, the virus, but you are equally going out for rallies where mass numbers of people are coming out for the rally. During the election, the election week, they put the guy on house arrest. That is a young musician. Right. He was on house arrest. His wife was equally arrested. And he was just not being able to go out and do his own thing. But the good thing is he has already rallied a lot of people, millions of people, not just in Uganda, the entire African continent. Millions mm. of people were looking up to him. He is now you know, the man to start the change for us, bringing down someone who has refused to let off, to let go of the power he has, you know? Yes. What did the president do? He went on and shut down the internet in Uganda. He shut down the internet in Uganda so that people from outside wouldn't know what is happening in the country. So that has been another major issue in Africa. And I was going to talk about it 
in my first episode of this year, my podcast, I've not made any episode this year so far, but that Uganda issue was what I was going to talk about. I watched the video where this guy escaped death. He was on his way home with some journalists. And when he got to his house, he saw the military gathered at his house, surround his house. And the moment they set eyes on him, they started chasing him. This guy ran for his life, entered the bush and ran away. That video was captured by, I think, maybe BBC or some foreign network like that, but he was one of those um, networks. And you begin to wonder, what kind of Africa is this? Where people are holding on to power by fire, by force. We are going to change that. <laughs> Honestly, we will. We are going to change that. Gradually, we will change it. Didier Drogba did some things for his country some few years back. And it was applauded. You know, he stopped, he found a way to stop civil war breaking in his country in Cote d'Ivoire. And a lot of other young people are doing a lot of things. And this is what we want to do. This is what my podcast wants to do, to rally young people in Nigeria and in other countries, especially in Africa, to rally people to wake up and see that these problems we are facing can be eradicated. You know, trying to educate them on the problems, trying to educate them on why we are having these problems, and then seeing if we can come up with solutions that can help us go go forward, move forward, help us move forward. And uh, we will do it. We will do it. We will do it. If foreign people, foreign countries like Canada, you know, the US, UK, France, maybe Germany, you know, can find a way to help, which I doubt they will, because they wouldn't want to. It will be it will be a good thing, but I don't think they can. Already, our country is is swimming in debt. You know, China, our, our the government keeps running to China to get loans from China, and you know it is a terrible idea. Oh shit! It is a terrible yeah. idea because then China has investments. Right? I'm telling you, yes. They keep running to China for loans, and China keeps giving them to them. Because when China come for their loans and they can't give them back, they're taking something that belongs to us. Yeah. They will. And that is what we are trying to avoid. And then they keep going to other places, you know, taking loans and then increasing tariffs, increasing tariffs. 60 years of independence, and we don't have constant electricity in the country. 60 years of independence, and we are still depending on crude oil. When there are a lot of other ways to get power, you know, to get electricity, to get other resources. We have a lot of mineral resources in the country, but none of them have been harnessed, not even half of it. They focus on petroleum, and when you get the crude, you sell the crude to the US yeah. or to another country, and then they refine it in that country, exactly. and then they sell it back to you twice the amount you sold it to them. Why not yeah. get a refinery, a working refinery in your own country to refine your own crude oil? And, a lot of issues. And that's the thing, though, is that's colonialism, right? 60 years ago, your country got its dependence. And was was Nigeria was it uh, was it a French colony? No, no, English. English, right? So, uh, thank you. Yeah. So, I guess that's what 1960. And then did the 19... English the, the English just left? And it's like here's yeah. democracy, and you're like, I this is this is an abstract idea that you have to. It takes time to create. And like you said, it's taken 60 years, right? 60 years to get yeah. to this point. How far away? Because that's the other thing that we talked about. Western powers, they don't give a shit because it's, it's always about what they can get out of it. We have to be real with ourselves. It's what they can get out of it. Why did they invade Iraq? Weapons of mass destruction? Bullshit. They wanted oil. You know what I mean? 
oh, it's a humanitarian effort. Well, we've seen that happen. And it's like, as soon as we can get out, we, they do. So really it comes down to people. And that's, that's the point of my show too, is that in India right now, there's a farmer's protest going on and it's horrible. The government has tried to censor the internet, right? And so what's happening now is that people are, people are getting the information out. It's no longer governments. They're there to protect us. And we do have to trust, we have to cooperate with them. But real change comes from like what you've been describing is the people, the heart of the heart and soul of any nation. And we need to, to work together globally. And, and that's why, you know, I'm so thankful that I've, I've had this, this honor, this privilege to speak with you, Chomzi. So thank you. Uh, the honor is all mine. I've been looking for ways to get my own voice out. Mm. So I will jump on anything that will really get, get my voice out, the voice of my people out, mm. and my podcast out. You know, Nigeria is not big on podcasts. I have to be honest. When I started, I was like, oh, who even listens self? Mm. You know, we don't really care about that. We are just all about you know, cable and radio stations. Nobody really care about going to, you know, podcasts. Nobody knows. So you say, ah, have you listened to my podcast? So what is a podcast? Yeah. You know, what is that? And like, oh, you don't know. And when you put someone through, the person says, oh, I have to use my data to download it or listen to it. And you're like, yes, you have to. And the person will be like, okay. And he'll go, but you know that he's not going to do that. Because data is not free in the country. Right. So, so for someone to waste, you know, a lot of data to go and download something where he can easily tune into a radio station without paying a dime to listen to a program. So it's it's difficult. It's difficult. That's why I started looking for other ways to get my voices out and my voice out. And then you people started to come. You're actually the second person I've spoken to. The first person was from the US. Mm. Uh, in the US and Canada, I think, and um, Ghana, I have, they have huge followership from there. That's awesome. 70% of my listeners are from the US and from Canada. I don't even know how that, how that is, you know? <laughs> what? <laughs> Your show has a great name too, Eye of Africa, which I looked up Eye of Africa just to, to see. And that's, uh, it's this really crazy geo, like it's this, it's like a rock quarry, like a natural forming rock quarry in Africa that you can kind of see from space. What, what made you pick, come up with that name, Eye of Africa? Yeah, I don't know, I don't know. It was just based on the, the fact that I wanted to talk about African issues. Mm. I want to talk about African issues and something that um, will make people see us, you know, see us the way we see things, see, see the way Africa is through me, you know, through my voice and see how Nigeria in particular is and the rest of Africa. Because to be honest, we used to be the giant of Africa. Mm-hmm. Nigeria is a superpower in Africa. When you mention Nigeria in every corner of Africa, everyone trembles. That includes Egypt. Mm. You know, but today, no one cares. Our citizens have been treated anyhow in South Africa, Ghana, in Kenya, in Uganda. Anywhere in Africa, in Nigeria, season goes, and he's not held with high regard because of how the government over the years have ridiculed, especially the last six years under this president. It's been terrible. It's been terrible. Our embassies in Ghana was attacked. In South Africa, every day you wake up and you hear Nigerian citizens are being killed. You know, xenophobic attacks on Nigerians, predominantly Nigerians. You know, it goes with other countries like Zimbabwe citizens, but it mostly affects Nigerians. You know, you go to somewhere and then all of a sudden, there are places where your visa, your Nigerian passport will not take you to. In Africa, you don't even have direct route from Nigeria to South Africa. You have to fly to another country. Maybe you go to Dubai, and then from Dubai, you come to maybe Belgium 
or Germany or somewhere. Then from there, you come back to South Africa. To get Everything the, is a disaster. That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense at all. I think the only direct route you have in Niger from Nigeria is from Nigeria to Ghana. Nigeria and Ghana, we are like twins. You know, we share the same similarities. Everything is 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 almost the same. But now Ghana is ahead of us. South Africa from nowhere are ahead of us. Kenya are ahead of us, you know, and Egypt. Don't get me start starting about Egypt. Egypt is Egypt is playing in the big leagues now, you know. So we are just there, just using the name Giant of Africa, but we are we are nowhere to be found anymore in the game. So I thought, why not just just do this and give it a name, something that will just make people see see Africa the way it is right now. So I just thought, Eye of Africa. And I thought of something that will portray Eye of Africa. There's nothing better than an African map, you know, map of Africa. I thought maybe getting someone to make some design with an eye inside, but I thought it to be too much. Too much. So I decided to go with the with the saying of we are, I am African, not just because I was born in Africa, but because Africa is born in me. You know, we have to. We have to do what we have to do to make people see Africa the way we are. Yeah. There's no continent in the world that is as blessed as Africa with people, with wealth, minerals, nothing. But we cannot harness it because we have few people who are trying to strangle us, to squeeze the bread out of us for themselves, for themselves. So that is just that is basically the reason for this podcast. Get people to see us, listen to us, learn about us, and do things better. Well, your your show is about this waking up the consciousness of of people, not just in Nigeria but around Africa. And and I know you said that you know people have to use data, but I could see people coming to you know coming around all listening together and then that spreads because what 500 600 years ago or whatever it was the printing press was invented and all these books all across europe mm-hmm. they were developed and ideas spread and from these ideas it created change and, and change is always change is never easy it's never like fluid right just like what we're seeing in nigeria with these protests and the military, it's never smooth, but it's real. It's representative of the people. So keep doing what you're doing. And uh, I, I, I know you're, I know this isn't, you know, this isn't safe for you. And I, I, I so deeply respect what you're doing, man. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you very much. For the matter of safety, I don't know if it's safe for me, actually. No one really knows me, you know? No one really knows me. No one really, well. really cares. But they will. Yes, they will. They will. And I, I'm hoping that by the time that they do, a lot of people have, have listened. A lot of people have grown, have woken up, and the movement will keep going on. But... We'll keep pushing. We'll keep pushing and trying to get the words out there. You can't stop, my friend. Keep it up, Chomzy. Chomzy, thank you so much for your time. Uh, thank you very much. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, this is not This is the first time, but it is not the last time, my friend. And uh, we'll, 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 have to, we'll have to see that soccer game. Yeah, we will. Actually, I'm thinking of uh, finding my way to Canada. It's it's just tough, you know, getting the money to do everything, getting your traditional passport, getting your visa and stuff. It's tedious. But, and also considering the coronavirus issue. Yes. But hopefully someday I'll get to see Canada, you know. I've never left the country, actually. I've never left Nigeria before. So 
Canada is Canada is in my list definitely. Well, hey man, I'd I'd love to show you around. Yeah, man, I will. All right. I'm very grateful for for this opportunity, you know. So I I as we'll hook I. up. Um. Yeah. We'll hook up. All right. Thank you. Yeah, you too. Is it is it right if I turn the recording on again? Oh no, no it's fine. I don't yeah, look at it away. No, no, no. I well, you're making a good point. This comparison, right? Uh, so, do do you mind if I start you off again there? Because you're talking about this Twitter thing and this lady saying that the United States only had one stimulus check, and she's saying that the United States is a failed state. And then you were talking about your response to that. Yeah, I. I said, lady, you had one stimulus check. Mm -hmm. You are not a field state. When you come down to a country where cryptocurrency is banned and termed illegal, when you come to a country where people have to steal from their neighbor's spot, you know, to eat, yeah, then you will know what a field state looks like. A country of 200 plus million people, and over 80% of that population is poor, like living in abject poverty. Nigeria is currently the poverty capital of the entire world. People live, you know, barely live over $1 a day in Nigeria. You know, people barely live over $1 a day in Nigeria. I don't talk about my own situation, but it's, it's crazy, you know, it's crazy. So, man, we have to do something. Yeah. We have to do something. That's why we're thinking, if Macron could do it in France, and we have Prime Minister Trudeau in Canada doing it, why can't we have people like that in Africa doing it? You know, you don't necessarily have to look at them as your role model, but you have to look at the fact that they attempted to do it and they achieved it, you know? We have people like Kingsley Mogalu. He contested for presidency last year. I love the man. The man have ideas that you know by a mile it will change the country. Hmm. But politics is a game of numbers. And in Nigeria, we have the APC and the PDP. The APC are currently in government, but the APC and the PDP have all the numbers. 90% of voters in Nigeria are either voting for APC or PDP. And these young ones coming, coming up, they cannot even break into the APC or the PDP because that is like the swamp. You know, when you talk about the swamp, that is like the swamp. And we have Kinsley Mogalu coming from a different party. You know, we have this other, I don't want to mention his name too. You know, till today he's he's been dragged up and down through courts. Today he'll be arrested. Tomorrow he'll be released. Just try to silence him. He contested for presidency too. Two young men with great ideas. But they cannot push the numbers and get people out to vote for them because of the money and the powers that be. But that is what we are trying to change. We could get a lot of people to see them, you know, to see Nigeria outside PDP and APCT, to see that we could do far much better outside these two parties, we'll be fine. Not to talk, Kingsley Mogalu worked with the UN. You know, he was with the Central Bank and he worked with the UN. He's very qualified in a lot of Things. Diplomatically, he's, he's fantastic. His ideas is fantastic. The idea of restructuring the country is what we what we are looking forward to. And Kinsley Mogalu has it. But how do we go forward, you know, to putting him out there for the people? Him putting himself out there. There are some things he could not say because if he dares say it, he will end up in jail for two years. And by the time he's out, the election season is over already. You know, so right, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. What, but we'll do it. 
And it's interesting because you mentioned Trudeau and um, I'll be honest, I'm not the biggest fan of Trudeau. I don't like dislike the guy or anything, but he tries to make what, from what I understand, what I see is he tries to make everybody happy. And what often ends up happening is when you try to make everybody happy, you make everybody equally pissed off. Right. So it comes down to in, in moving forward in Nigeria, you have these leaders that are like, this is what I'm dead set on. And they're not, they're not wavering. Right. And that's where that change comes in because they're committed to it. I was, I was talking to somebody about this yeah. the other day and it's this in jujitsu, the worst thing you can do is half commit to a move and then you get your ass whooped. You have to fully commit to what you're doing. And that's what these leaders are doing from, from what you're telling me, what I understand. Yeah. Um, sorry, I gotta go. It's getting dark. Yo, again. bro. Yeah, I so see that. Soon. Yeah. Hey, yeah, thank you, you so much. See me, well, thank you so much for your time, Chomzi. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm gonna send you that thank video you. right now, okay? Thank you very much. I All appreciate right. it. Yeah, and, and let's I keep in touch. We will. All right, man. We will. Once again, that was Chomzy Chom, host of Eye of Africa, a podcast based out of Nigeria. I uh, deeply respect him being on the show and sharing what he's doing with his platform and the ultimate goal of making Nigeria a better place, a better country that he could be proud of and that generations after him can be proud of. It really brings to mind how much I take for granted my own democracy, the security of my own democracy. Things like voting and the infrastructure that are here, the things that protect us and keep us safe, ultimately protecting us from abject poverty, like Chomzi had mentioned. It just makes me want to be more grateful and be less wanting and still struggling with that. But hearing these conversations, it always just brings me back down to earth and seeing rather than asking myself what it is that I'm, that I want, what is it that I can give to make the world around me a better place, a better place for generations after me. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed. Have a wonderful day. Thank you again for listening. I'm Robert Grant, and I'm probably wrong about everything.